Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. I, um, you know, Helen and I have, have been around here for about a, a year now, uh, when we, we came over from our Ilkeston campus, and the, the vision and passion for this community of, of Louise and the team is quite amazing. And uh, we are very blessed with what God's doing through that team and to have that team as well. And, you know, sometimes it can be easy to take things for granted, can't it? We don't want to take this team for granted. And Louise, Leslie, Sandra, the team, we absolutely honour you this morning and we love you. Thank you for all that you do. Now, um, just before we move on again with our service, Christian, our, our pastor for Arena Church, if you're new this morning, you might not know, but we are one church in four different locations. That's incorrect. We're six locations. Mansfield, Ilkeston, Belper, Nottingham, the Hub and then Toulouse, France. And Christian has gone across to Toulouse this weekend to go across to their uh, Christmas service. That church has started just with two people and I just saw a photo this morning of 15 people gathered as a team to go and do their Christmas carol service. And let me tell you, that is down to your giving, your prayer and everything that we've done here, being able to send and plant that church in Toulouse, France. As Andy said, our Christmas service is going to be phenomenal next week. And as, uh, as an angel, I've never been called that before. And that was never in my school reports. Uh, I, I was that kid who was always like really worried when it came to school reports. And I'd keep the, the, the letter in my pocket about parents' evening. I was like, oh, that old thing, Mum? No, no, you don't need to go to that. I've already sent a fake parent. Um, that was me. Uh, but Anyway, I've got no idea where I was. Christmas services are going to be phenomenal. And this time of year, listen, people are open to coming to church. People are thinking about church, thinking about the meaning for Christmas. I just want to ask you, church, will you invite? I believe that we can see this room filled next week. You know, we've been so blessed with the growth that God's brought this year. And I believe that we're going to finish this year with a bang as God adds to our number again. Does anybody else believe that? But just remember, there's no Sunday morning service. Please don't turn up at 10.30. It's going to be at 5pm next week because carols by candlelight wouldn't really work at 10.30am. Now, as I said, if you're new here today, I want to give you a warm welcome to our community service. And and this service is to honour the community here in Mansfield because we believe that Mansfield has a future. We believe that God has got a plan for Mansfield and that while there might be challenges, that he's going to do something in this town. Is there anybody else that believes that today? We love this town called Mansfield, and really this is my hometown. I grew up in a church called Bosworth Street. Glennis is over here, and who went to Bosworth Street? Oh, yeah, yeah, there's, there's some, some hands going up around the place, and I was born into that church, and it's amazing how God has just worked things in this town for me to be here speaking to you this morning, but we love this town, and I believe that God, in these coming days, is going to do something. He's already started to do something, but he's going to continue to do something. You know, Sometimes it can be easy to look at the the challenges, but what we're going to look at is this. We're going to look at the solutions to those challenges. And people like Louise and you and me, we can contribute to seeing this town transformed by Jesus. See, when Jesus walked the earth, this is exactly what he did. Wherever he went, he became the solution to people's issues. He helped people. He walked with people. He loved people. He showed compassion to people. 
And this morning I want to just have a brief look at one of the stories that Jesus told in Luke 15, verse 1 to 7. It says this, it'll be up on the screen. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Now we'll come back to that story in just a minute. But if you have ever been lost in your life, just raise your hand. If you've ever been lost, if you take a wrong turn, yeah, okay, lots of people have been lost. You know, whether that's been separated from your parents in a shop, I definitely had that as a kid and I can't imagine what it's like the other way around. Whether you took the wrong direction in the car, my granddad who's here this morning, used to be renowned for taking shortcuts, which weren't really shortcuts. Uh, you know, I, I, the ladies, I think, elbow in the husband saying, yeah, you've taken me on a few of those as well. I, I, I hate getting lost. It's not nice to get lost because it's frustrating. We don't know where we're going. And also it's hard sometimes to tell how we're going to get back on track. Now, a few years ago, Helen and I, my wife, we were, this is before we had kids, we were over in America and Back then, sort of, we, we weren't able to use our phones over in America because of the charges and all this sort of thing. But we sort of knew where we were going, so most of the time we were okay because I knew where we were going. But I wasn't old enough to be able to drive and get insurance over there at this time, so Helen basically took on the role of the driver. That's right, I'm a toy boy, everybody. <laughs> It's hard to believe, I know, I look about five years older than Helen, but she is, in fact, younger than me. Now, people don't tend to get lost anymore because we have this little thing on our phone called Google Maps. But if you're under 25 today, you probably won't know, but people used to have these things called maps that are about this big, and they folded them over, and when you got to the end of the page, you had to fold it over, and you're like, where am I again? <laughs> this is what people used to do. We don't have that anymore. So anyway, I'm here in America, we're driving, we're just about to go out to the shops, and as a supportive husband that I am, I say, babe, listen, I'm going to have a nap, <laughs> but you just go down the 192, head down the 192, our destination's going to be on the left, easy, no problem, we've been this way plenty of times, you know where we're going. So I nip off to sleep, and then the next thing I remember is waking up and being like, where are we? Is it supposed to snow in Orlando? I don't think so. No, it wasn't snowing. So I was like, where, where are we? I was like, babe, just out of interest, how long have we been driving? She said, 40 minutes. I was like, okay, our destination was supposed to be only 20 minutes away. Um, where, where are we? So I was looking around quickly trying to understand where we were. And I realised that we were on the 192, but instead of going down the 192... We've gone up the 192. So we've gone 40 minutes in the wrong direction and we were lost. Now, 
I don't like getting lost. I don't like getting lost because I know patience is a virtue, but one of the hardest things that I deal with, I'll be honest with you this morning, is patience. I don't like it because it wastes time. You sort of get a bit frustrated in the process. You know, me being the angelic husband I was, I was like, babe, that's okay. You've taken us 40 minutes in the wrong way. Don't worry about that. That's a joke. <laughs> we had a few words. And we turned around and we, we tried to get ourselves back on track. But you see, getting lost in the physical is bad enough. But I think it's even worse when we get lost in our lives. When we feel like we don't know where we're going, like we've lost our way. I think we all know what it feels like to be lost. I think we've questioned why we're here, why we're on this planet. What is this life all about? In this passage of scripture we looked at in Luke 15, we see Jesus addressing a crowd and the writer goes on to describe the crowd. Let's look again at what he says. He says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the Lord muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So I think when people picture Jesus, they imagine him hanging around with the religious people, the priests and, and those kind of people. But quite the opposite is true. You see, the religious people of the day, they were so wrapped up in going through religious rituals that they missed who Jesus was. See, their religion was more about puffing themselves up than about knowing the God they were looking for. See, Jesus' harshest words were not for irreligious people. It was for the religious people who portrayed perfection on the outside, but on the inside, they were just as messed up as anybody else. See, their religion, instead of leading them to God, it became a status symbol because it was all about them, about what they could do, how right they were and how wrong everyone else was. They were so wrapped up in religion that they missed the God who they were looking for. Today I want to clarify that what we do here is not about going through religious rituals, trying to do the right things to get to God. That's impossible. What we believe in here is a relationship with God, where we get to know Him, where He leads us, and where He guides us to live a life that's far bigger than us. See, these religious people, they went on to ridicule Jesus because they were shocked by the people he spent time with. It says there were tax collectors and sinners. Now, this sin word, I believe, has become something in our world that it was never intended to be. I think people outside of the church feel like all Christians want to do is to tell them how bad they are by using this word. And while this may have happened, I want to tell you this morning, this is not the heart of Jesus. See, the, the religious people, they were incensed because Jesus hung around with these imperfect people. But these were the exact people Jesus came for. People like you and me. See, this word sin, it literally means to miss the mark. And the mark that's set by God is perfection. So if we're imperfect for one minute of one day in our entire lives, then we are imperfect and qualify as a sinner. 
See, if I ask this morning, if you're a sinner, raise your hand, I don't think anybody would. But if I asked, if you're imperfect, raise your hand. I think we all would. Because we know we are, don't we? We know we're imperfect. I've never met a mentally sane person who thinks that they're perfect. We know we mess up. We know we get it wrong. We know we make mistakes. See, Jesus didn't come to tell you about your sin or your issues or your mistakes. He came to take them away. He came to give you a new start. And this is the good news of Christmas. This is the good news, that Jesus didn't come to rub in your mistakes. He came to rub them out. He came to close the gap between God and man that was created by our mess so that we could have a relationship with him, so that we could know him. It goes on to say about tax collectors. The tax collectors, you have to understand the tax collectors in this society Just like shepherds were, 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 that was probably the worst job you could do in this society. Tax collector in this society was also a bad job to do. But it wasn't a job that was low in status, it was a job where, where people hated you because you were stealing from them. See, what you have to understand about the tax collectors, they were Jewish people working on behalf of the Roman government to enforce the Roman government's debt. It's like someone coming and taking your money from Germany. We wouldn't like that, would we? But not only did they enforce the, uh, the Roman government's debt, they also took extra to line their own pockets. So these were Jewish people stealing from the Jewish people. But let, if you went back at them and said, you're not taking my money, you were in big trouble because you would have had to deal with the Roman government. In effect, these were legal gangsters. These were wealthy people. These would have been walking around with the Armani shoes on. They would have had the nice suit. These were wealthy people. But they were absolutely infatuated by the message of Jesus. People hated them. Their own people absolutely hated them. But not Jesus. He welcomed them with open arms. So here Jesus is talking to these beautiful, flawed people and he tells them the story of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and who loses one. But this shepherd doesn't just say, I've got 99, I'll, I'll be okay. This shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the one, to chase after the one, to make sure the one is safe. Jesus says that this shepherd, upon finding the one, calls his friends to celebrate. And Jesus goes on to say he's more bothered about flawed people who acknowledge their imperfection and say they want a new start than 99 righteous people who think they have it all together. See, Jesus here is showing us his heart. He's showing us the heart of God. It's that God pursues us. He is the God who isn't scared of our mess or our brokenness or our hurt or our anxiety. He is the God who leaves the safety of the 99 to pursue the one. You know, if Jesus had to come to this earth just for you, he would. If he would have gone through coming to this earth, leaving the perfection and beauty of heaven, coming to this broken, beautiful world that we live in, dying the death that he did and raising again just for you, he would. 
This is the amazing thing to me. God, you know, we can sit in congregations like this and, and feel like God is a congregational God. He loves, look, he loves big congregations like this. But listen to me, he is also a personal God. He wants to know you. He died and rose again for you. See, for me, this is what makes Christianity unique from all other religions. Because I'm sort of out there about my faith and people know I'm a Christian and what I do you know, here at Arena Church in, in my business and different things, people sort of ask me, you know, why, why Christianity? Well, I think this is the biggest reason. See, in every other religion, it's about what I have to do to get to God. Going through rituals, going through motions. It's about me making myself good. The issue with that is I can't make myself good. I've tried. But the message of Jesus is not about what I can do to get to God. It's about what God did to get to me. See, he laid down his life so that we could know him and have a relationship with him. And all we have to do is acknowledge that we need him. This is amazing for me. This is the reckless love of God on display for all to see. That he loves us so much that he'd risk it all for people that don't even care for him. For me, it's astonishing. It's beyond comprehension that the God who made made us would do this for us. Some people ask why we do what we do here at Arena. Why do we run care for a coffee? Why do we bother trying to help our community or people who are hurt and struggling? And this is the reason, because it's the heart of our God. See, how could we stay within the comfort of these four walls and not be bothered about the world that we live in when the main thing our God cares about is the people of this world? I'm not about to make a political statement, but we all know the mantra of Boris's campaign, don't we? Yeah? Anybody get Brexit done? Yeah, that was the mantra of his campaign. Well, Jesus had a slogan as well and has one, and I think it's a great one. John 3.16, it says this, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. It doesn't say that for God so loved the Christians or for God so loved the good people or the nice people or the rich people. It says for God so loved the world. So therefore, if you live in the world, you qualify this is amazing to me. See, there's no, distinct, there's no distinguishing things. You see, our society sometimes likes to put people in boxes, but not God. He says, if you are in this world, if you have breath in your body, you qualify for my love. I want to tell you something that will shock you today. This might be the first time you've ever thought about God. It might be the first time you've walked into church. You might say, Josh, you don't know what I was doing last night. It doesn't matter. God doesn't love me more than he loves you. God loves us the same. You can never do anything more to get God's love on your life. God loves you already. He's crazy about you. He's that crazy that he sent his own son to this world to live and die for you. I'm a dad. I've got a four-year-old son and I can't imagine what... It was hard enough for me to send my kid to a nice school. (laughs) Never mind to a world that would punish and hurt him. But that's what God did for you and me. This is the love of God. For God so loved the world. 
And as Christians this morning, if you were here today and you say, Josh, I'm a Christian, I'm a part of Arena Church, let me just talk to you for a second because if this is the heart of our God, then surely this needs to be our heart. That we take the love of God to our world. That we take the love of God to our businesses. That we take the love of God to that workplace. That we take the love of God to that football team or that sports group or that social setting that we're in. We are called to take the love of God into our world. I don't know what you believe today, but I'm sure we can agree on this. Our world needs more love. Our world needs love like... If you're on social media of any kind, you will have seen uh, the polarising effects of this last election. Let me tell you, we don't need people enforcing their views on each other. What we need is this, say, hey, we've got more in common than we've got separate. We need people to come together in love. That's what's going to heal our world, the love of God. Our world needs more people who won't judge based upon appearance but will embrace the world? Will we be people who decide to lay down our agenda and champion the cause of those around us? Will we choose to put others before ourselves? Will we make a decision to bring positive change where we have influence? I want to tell you today, you might say, Josh, I don't have any influence. You have influence. We have different levels of influence, but we all have influence. And what I've found is this, is I've used my influence in my life for good, that God has given me more influence. And that's what he does. And I want to ask you today, you know, the 120-ish people who are in this room today, will you go away and use your influence that you have to bring the love of God into our world? I don't know about you, but I need Jesus to help me in this. Because on my own, I'm pretty flawed. I can be selfish. I can put me first. But as I live in relationship with Jesus, what I've found is this, is that his love leads me to be a light in this world in which we live.